Hey there, friends. How's it going? My name is Kyle Devlin, and I am the host of this podcast. This is the Having a Blast podcast. Having a Blast is a pop punk and emo podcast where we'll be doing a deep dive on important albums and bands. We'll also be speaking with band members, producers, and friends. If you happen to like what you hear, if you could do me a huge favor, perhaps give us a five-star review. That just really helps get the algorithms working in our favor, and then more people can hear the podcast. Or Another thing that really helps us out is if you share it with a friend. If you've got a friend that enjoys this type of music, pop punk and indie, I'd greatly appreciate it. All right, without further ado, let's get into it. Hey there friends, what is up? Welcome to the show. Today, I'm extremely excited because I'm speaking with a good friend of mine from way back, Mr. Steve Leidick from the bands A No Coast November and Jocelyn. Steve and I go way back. Our bands went on tour together all the way back in 2009 with The American Life and his band A No Coast November, and we were also joined by the JV All-Stars from Omaha, Nebraska. This was one of the more fun tours that I was a part of. I have a lot of great memories from this one. Steve has always been a very profound guy. He's a smart and funny guy. I've always loved our conversations. I feel like it's always a life-giving conversation, one in which I always take something really valuable away. We talk about a lot of things. We talk about exercise, personal growth, personal transformation and development, and we talk about how our identity plays a role in that. We also talk a little bit about being in a band and how that carries over into adulthood. I really enjoyed this conversation and went by quick. I think you will enjoy it too. So without further ado, please enjoy this multiple topic discussion with my friend Steve Leidick. In the south where the spirits wander, I will see you in an hour, nine to five southbound. I think I clicked the right button. Can you hear me? Yeah, dude. How are you, man? Good to see you. Good to see you. I'm a little tired. I did, wasn't crazy, but like a five mile event this morning here in Lincoln. So I did that and then went to the coffee shop and got some schoolwork done. So red. Awesome, man. Did you do biking? Well, I biked out to Pioneer Park, which is a park here in Lincoln. And then there, the local like track company and running track club and running company is a just like a shoe store here. Put on a five mile event today. Okay, cool. That's fun, man. So you run and you bike. I Yeah, I mean, among other things. So I commute everywhere. So I bike a lot, whether it's for leisure or just for like my day-to-day life. And then, yeah, I run and then I play hoops a couple times a week. And then I just, went, I enrolled in law school. So I started that about a month ago. And there's a group of us that play hoops after class on Fridays. And then we also play sand volleyball on Sunday nights. So. Wow. Okay. So you're super active. That's rad, man. I, it's crazy. Like this is the most active I've ever been. And I've been pretty active even in the last like three years, but cool. Good for you, dude. Yeah. It seems like the last probably three or four years, you've had a bit of a tr- transformation too, right? No doubt. Uh, yeah. Yeah, for sure. I was definitely going to ask you about all this. I'm curious. I know you started getting active and everything and I was kind of going through your Instagram and I know that you like to bike, but it sounds like you're doing a lot of cool things. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it just depends on like how detailed you want to get, but probably about three years ago or a little longer now, but in like April of 2018, I took a job that was no longer in like restaurant food and beverage, which I'd done forever. And that Mm -hmm. really helped me transition and kind of get some more stability in a ton of areas of my life. But one of those is definitely just exercise and 
staying active and having a little more regular schedule. But it's yeah, like, yeah, I, I mean, for a long time, I just liked to work. That's kind of how it all started. And then I'd walk for fun. And then I just kept adding stuff, bought shoes during the pandemic, like anyone would. And eventually I backed into a, a basketball game that was decent. Like I've always loved playing basketball, but when I first moved to Lincoln, I just didn't have a very good game to go to. There's no like gym conglomerate here that's super awesome. Like the local Y kind of hit or miss. So, but I finally. And you're in Lincoln, right? Yeah, yeah, in Lincoln, Nebraska. Yeah, dude. I think it's cool that you're playing games. Did you notice right away were there big pivotal shifts, not only physically but mentally as well, when you first started being more active, when you started commuting to work so, and biking to work? I think the routine of it. I, but it's more than the routine of it. What it probably taught me more than anything, and I kind of like as I was prepping for some of your questions, I really ended up. I had this awesome conversation, which I can tell the story in more detail with Eric Mello from JVA. Yeah, about running, and it really is like consistency over time. So it's like just exercise happened to be the lens in which I was able to just see that materialize. For me, it was like an identity thing. So sure, there's things I noticed right away, but it really helped me put into perspective, hey, you have to do this for like three months, nine months. Like even then, I would say my goal this year is to narrow, not like too strict, but like the range in what my weight is every year, you know, like it probably was plus or minus on either side, like 20 pounds. Let's say it was like a 40 pound range, 50 pound range. My goal this year is just to try and tighten that up to, you know, 20 or 30 if I can. Not be as much of a swing one way or the other, you know, for holidays or summer or whatever it was, but that's all yeah. kind of contextual. But I, back to your question, the exercise component of like, hey, dude, this biking thing's kind of hard until you get to like 10 miles. And it's like, well, how far can I go? It's like 40 is kind of hard. And then after 40, it's like, could I do 100? It's like, there's these different like plateaus that it really just takes like consistency over time for you to like push through. And that's kind of exercise really helped me grasp or grapple with and appreciate that. Yeah, man. I love that. I talk about consistency a lot. I mean, that's a pretty common theme of things that I'm putting out into the ether because yep. I think people, they, one thing that I've run into is I see people at the planet fitness here in town where I work out once a week. Yep. And there was a period of time where I was working out there pretty frequently. And I would see certain people who would come in maybe once every two weeks, or it seemed like they were coming in maybe once every two weeks or every week. Yep. And they'd work out for long durations. Maybe they didn't have time constraints that one day or something. Sure. So you'd see people, I'd see this in my old gym too. People would come in maybe once a week or once every two weeks and they'd work out for three hours. Okay. Mm -hmm. And then you wouldn't see them again until two weeks later or something. And I think people really, they miss the forest for the trees when it comes to exercise on a consistent level, because they're going to get a lot more out of working out for 20 or 30 minutes a day, five days a week than they are three hours every day weeks. And this is the trap that I was falling into as well. I don't know if you were experiencing that. If you're just doing a little bit every day, that really does compound over time and you have much better, more consistent results. And time is going to move regardless. So you may as well find something that is sustainable that you can consistently do day to day. 100%. So definitely preaching to the choir here. For me, like I was always kind of seasonal. And then whether it was like, so like with biking, right? So in the winter, it becomes more difficult. I would bust more. Uh, maybe I would walk or get more ride, things like that. You know, hey, basketball would just be like, hey, maybe I won't. I'm not going to go this week because it's kind of out of my way. I don't have a ride, all this other stuff. So like even without it being like, hey, I don't want to do that because like I did, it just lent itself to being somewhat cyclical in that roller coaster or that sine curve or the up and down yeah. nature of it. 
but it's just like after a certain amount of time, it's so obvious that it is just the day to day, like the building blocks of like, if you want to, whether it's for you or you want it to be a part of your identity, and this kind of relates to my Eric Mello literary illusion is you have to really do something, whether I'm not going to tell you to do it daily, but you have to do it consistently for it to become a part of like who you are. And if you want to be, if it's, if it's fitness, if it's, I want to be a good pickup pooper, if I want to be a runner, if I want to be fill in the blank, I just want to be in good shape or I want to, on another whole thing, you know, as we get into our thirties now, I want to just be healthy. Okay. So these are the components I need to do every day. I don't listen to him every day, but I do like Ryan holiday. And it's just funny yeah. because he, he's definitely, um, he kind of put a quantity to it. He's like, Hey, my goal every day, aside from obviously his like reading and writing, but for exercise, he's like, I want to do something more intense than walking for at least, I think he said 35 minutes. And I had, it was funny. Cause like at the time I heard him say that and I forget what pod he was on. I don't think it was his pod every now and then I'll listen to the daily stoic, but he was with someone else. And I was like, I pretty much do that because in other ways, I just told myself, Hey, I've got some time to kill. I had transitioned out of food and beverage. So I worked a more regular, like seven to three was the, the, the hours I worked. So I tried to do two of three, you know, whether it was bike, walk or run. And I was like, I pretty much definitely do like 35 minutes. That's, that's easy. But it was just interesting. So once you get the pieces like in front of you and then you can kind of like see or grasp the puzzle, then it's like so obvious that like it is the consistency that is the component that changes. Because then you're like, think back, you're like, man, maybe I went through in college. Like, like for me, there was a time where we were in three different basketball leagues. I played very consistently for like six months. And then winter would come around, we'd smash beers and, you know, build this pyramid in the corner and whatever. The band might go and play some shows. And it's just you eat Thanksgiving, you eat through Christmas and next thing you know, it's just 20 or 30 pounds. It's not a huge deal, but you just ride that cycle every, every yeah. year. So kind of yeah, back yeah. to previous, like my goal this year is just to shrink the range in which I'm, my variance is for my weight. So. Yeah. And I definitely always gain about 10 to 20 pounds every winter time. It's usually how it goes. Yeah. And you're preaching to my choir, man. I love it. Yeah. Ryan Holiday is great. I like how he gave you a bit of a quantitative metric for it. I'm the same way. You know, if I'm lifting five days a week, I shoot for 15 to 20 sets. So nothing crazy. Some people will do more than that each session. That's totally fine. And maybe that allows them to work out less days, but usually I'll do four days during the week of training. And I'm lucky because I'm in a space with a bunch of gym equipment. So just in between clients, that's when I'm working out, but I do like having that quantitative metric to just shoot for. You're totally right on when you talk about how it latches onto your identity and your identity becomes that of somebody who is trying to be healthy. And like you said, you're developing systems. What does that mean exactly? You know, if I want to be healthy, what does that look like? Well, it means on average 35 minutes a day of physical activity, maybe five days a week. And you're right. It doesn't have to be daily. It doesn't have to be every day, but what does that look like? What are those systems that I'm going to put in place that by default are going to get me to a healthy individual. So that's part of the reinforcement of that identity, right? And I talk about identity all the time too. I love Ryan Holiday. I've got a bunch of his books back here. Yeah, I'm looking at the obstacle is the way. I'm looking forward to his next one. He's got a new one coming out called Courage is Calling. Yep, I just saw his Instagram or like all the books like spread out. So yeah. I don't know how much time I'm going to be able to stomach like pleasure reading. I'm sure I will over Thanksgiving break and Christmas break a little bit, but doing the law school thing. It's like, I am just reading all the time, but Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. Like I'm throwing that on my list, but just because this is like a good segue, because I think like we're talking about a component that's like kind of along, it's a little bit into if someone's like, Hey, I don't really like where I'm at, or I'm trying to change or transition. This is kind of a component that isn't, doesn't happen like right up front. 
like I was going to tell this story anyway. Let me look at what your questions were. But so experience with biking and exercise. So I kind of answered this. And in a sense, like I will never forget. And this plays into our pop punk theme, like JV All-Stars from Lincoln, Nebraska. We all know you've had Mike on, Matt, Nick, Eric. So for years, I mean, they're a part of like my formative youth and getting into pop punk and music and literally like picking up an instrument. And I could tell stories about all four of those guys for a long time, but specifically in relation to like biking exercise, I'll never forget. I met Eric. We went to O'Rourke. So Mike's little brother, Jordan works there and Mike was going to meet us there. And I happened to meet Eric either before or after we were just chatting. And I remember, so anybody that knew the JVA guys knew that Eric was the guy who would like hang up, you know, the night, maybe a little bit earlier than everyone else. Like everybody's going to stay up till two, three, four in the morning. He was going to put it to bed at 10, 11, 12. He's always a little bit poor because he really liked to get up and run. And mm-hmm. part of this identity thing, like everyone who knew Eric Mello was like, he's a runner. When they would do their cross country legs, he would get up and run in the morning. And they're like, you know, he would train for marathons. And, and to be honest, I don't, I'm not even entirely sure of his accolades, you know, whether it's high school as a runner or college as a runner. I don't know that he ran in college, like competitively, other than, you know, just him doing the running thing. So we're sitting in a Rourke's and I was like, so Eric, you're a runner, right? And he's like, well, I mean, I guess he's like, I run all the time. Right. And I kind of pressed him on it. And I was like, so how'd you start? You know, like just like really dumb question of like, did you just decide or, or how is it that you like became a runner? I mean, he looked at me like I was just out of my mind. Like I was an idiot. He was like, what are you talking about? He's like, he's like, I, I just, I run. So he's like, I'm a runner. That's just what I do. And he like, pump the question back onto me in a sense of he's like, do you think about brushing your teeth in the morning? Do you, I mean, do you think about making your bed? I'm not saying everybody needs to make their bed, but there are these habits that you just do. He's like, if there's a certain point in my day and I get to like noon or, or two or five, maybe I'm off work now at four or five, six o'clock. Now I have a run. I tend to just be like, okay, well I better go for a run because I'm the runner. That's what I do. Again, there's some things like it may not be every day depending on leading up to a race or an event or a personal goal or maybe with injury, but it was literally just like baked into what he did on a daily basis. Didn't think about it. It literally became a part of his identity to where I recognized it. Other people recognized it. He just had it as a part of his being. And I remember I just had this like this epiphany because I was in a point of transition in, in my life of trying to, while I loved music, you know, I had this identity as a guy who played guitar. Um, and then I like, as music kind of faded away, I, you know, I was a guy who worked in hotels or, or restaurants, or maybe it's like a guy who like went out all the time, partied too much. And I was like, man, I don't, you know, how is it, if I wanted to do something else, how do I do that? I think this is common of restaurant people of how, you know, I feel like I've been pigeonholed in a sense. Eric's just basically, he's like, you're an idiot. Just, you want to be a runner, go run, right? You want to do something else, you have to do it. So if you want to be a student, well, what do you have to do? You have to buy books. You have to enroll in classes. You have to try to learn stuff. What we're talking about is like this consistency phase. And we're talking about something that you figure out kind of along the way. Hey, if I want to be better at basketball, well, I have to, I have to buy a basketball. I have to have shoes. I have to play with other people. And then once you do it over time for a prolonged period of time, it becomes a part of who you are. Like people probably yeah. used to know you as like game time Kyle. And now you're like Kyle Devlin, like fitness guy, right? Like uh-huh. your identity has transformed because it's this prolonged consistent. It's not even an attempt to craft an image. It's just, what do I want to be? Well, I have to do it all the time. Yep. So it's like that conversation with Eric, going back to the pop punk thing is, it was like truly transformative. He probably like hates when I tell the story. Cause it's like, Steve, you're just an idiot. I just, I brush my teeth and I run every day. <laughs> but it was like, so it was just like that moment of something clicked. I'm like, okay. So like, if I don't, 
like, you know, my identity in my workplace. Well, then I need to think about how to change it by doing things every day or, or, you know, if I don't like the, the guy in the mirror, you know, if I don't like, if I'm not confident or whatever that may be, then how can I work towards changing that, fixing that? What is it, you know, then you start getting to the second and third level stuff of like, what do I actually want? Then that's yes. a, you know, that's a whole other side part, mm-hmm. but it starts with like, Hey, if I want to be different, well, I have to start acting differently. Yes. And Steve, this is exactly why I wanted to have you on this podcast. And I hope people <laughs> listen to this and really take it in. And this is my jam. I mean, sometimes when you say things like that, I can feel it in my bones, what you're saying. And I've read extensively about this. I'm not an expert by any means. And speaking of identity, a lot of times I try to, this is something that's helped me be imposter syndrome. I was having a conversation with somebody about this the other day. I don't identify as an expert. I don't identify as an expert in pop punk. I don't identify as an expert in playing guitar. I don't identify as an expert in fitness. I am a student of all of these things because I enjoy all of them. And you're exactly right. That was something that I experienced 100%. I was identified as Kyle from Game Time for a little while. I was identified as Kyle from The American Life for a little while. I was identifying myself as a loser for a little while. And maybe you, I think that's relatable on a lot of, a lot of people could probably relate to that because at some point in their lives, they probably thought about themselves that way. Or, you know, it might just be this fleeting thing where we're being insecure, but there was a moment in time where I was legitimately identifying as a loser. And I think everything in my life was, compounding that. It was the energy that I was emitting into the ecosphere and into the universe. And not to get too woo-woo, but I think like does attract like, cause and effect. There is a logical progression to thinking things and then enacting them out in real life. And so what's really cool about what you're saying here is there are times in which you can make the conscious decision to identify as somebody different. You can purposefully say, I want to identify as this and then start acting in accordance with that. And we as human beings have this incredible drive to act in accordance with how we identify ourselves, right? So what's really fascinating is when you flip it on its head and you say, okay, well, maybe I can identify as somebody else first. Maybe I can identify as somebody who is respected by his community. Maybe I can identify as somebody who's philanthropic. Maybe I can identify as an author before I write a book. Maybe I can identify as wealthy before I make my first dollar. You know, maybe I can identify as an entrepreneur before I build my business. That's the really magical thing because that's when you start thinking, oh, my thoughts have power. My thoughts have this gravitas to them, right? And you identified Eric as a runner and therefore his identity was already fairly set. It's like people can identify other people in certain ways for better or worse. And then you can actively identify as certain things and then act in accordance with that. And sometimes it can be a subconscious thing that you're not purposefully trying to do. But I love this quote by Jim Rohn and then I'll stop on this tangent, but I love this, what we're talking about right now. He's got a quote that really hit me hard and it said, don't wish for things to be easier, wish to be better. And that's exactly what he's talking about. He's talking about cultivating an identity that allows you to level up in life, whatever that may be. And I feel like I'm getting away from this because of the just shit that we are in currently in life, you know, and there's just so much polarity and ridiculousness that's happening in this country right now. But I'm finding it very, very difficult to be somebody who is trying actively to be positive on social media, or at the very least put out positive things because I'm reading so many things throughout the day. And maybe I just need to do an audit of what I'm taking in energy wise. 
But five years ago, six years ago, I made the decision to no longer complain about anything online because it wasn't doing anything for me. And if anything, it was just bringing more of what I didn't want into my life. And I thought, okay, if there's a common theme of people being negative or complaining or whether it be in their real life or just on social media, I'm going to try to do the opposite. And it ended up helping me considerably for a lot of different reasons, not just for creating a business because I work for myself now in a couple of different capacities, but just in... I think attracting more of what I want and not attracting the things that I don't want. Sure. I'm on board with pretty much all of that. One thing that kind of to keep to some of your questions, like this brings me to some preliminary thoughts. You asked just, you know, what do you think it means to be happy? Um, (laughs) Do you like like how I squeeze that in two pop punk questions? And it's super relevant because it's relevant to everything because it's literally the purpose of why we're all existing through time and permeating through space, right? But it's just funny that you put it, you know, like this, like trying to make yourself better and leveling up. And and there's certainly, depending on your own vantage point and what people are kind of like, what their goals are, maybe like more tangibly, they may hear that level up thing is like this, like monetization. Sure, that is absolutely a component of it. But how I answered the question It was just like, I just want to get better and appreciate it. So like this balance that that you're talking about, like experiencing some kind of like discord between like, you know, what's being put out, what you're consuming and all this other stuff. Like it is a two way street. So it's not that it's just that simple to like, especially doing what you're doing, like in in this business of content, you can't just like give up content, right? This is a part of like what you do. So audit is probably an appropriate term. And don't let me tell you what to do because I have nothing, I have no idea how to run a business like you're running a business. <laughs> but I do think there's this like balance that is a part of this like happiness thing of you have to have that like stress and pain and anxiety so that you can appreciate when things are good, like so that you can that you can notice because like I don't know that like people when they think of like this tangible happiness and I, I'm making all this money and I got this beautiful wife and I've got this or you know husband or whatever it may be, right? They think of all these like check, 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 check boxes. But it, it, I guess in my mind, it's maybe a little more like frou-frou, like mystical in a sense of you have the good with the bad. And they're both very important. They are the two sides of the same coin and you can't sure. have them apart. They play off of each other. It's like using those things help carry it forward. So then because it's not this like checklist item, it's this like ongoing process. And I think everyone gets tired of hearing about it. It's a process, not the destination, right? Sure. But you use that, whether it's two sides of the same coin in that process, like you're just trying to set challenges. And then I, I just like your terminology just to get better where I get nervous, not as a guy who's like achieved happiness or anything, but as I make some of these changes, as I was, we acknowledge this like consistency over time for me, like just appreciating when things are good, when a day is good, when something as simple as good back to, I wrote this in one of my other answers to, to one of your questions, but like, Remember when we were like in a basement, not me and you, but just imagine being in a basement with your buddies in game time or even the American life guys. And remember like when a song like just worked itself through and it was easy and it was natural. And it was like, at least in our practice space, both with No Coast and with Jocelyn, we would like look around each other like, damn, that was easy. That was awesome. We would acknowledge that it was awesome. But like there's in every day, there's all this stuff that is awesome all the time, all around us. And we just like blow it off. We're like, sure. I'm not hunting and gathering. I just go to the store. I pay for stuff. They, they come out and they bring it to my car. It's great. They might even drop it off for me. And then I like yeah. put it in my oven. It's like all of these little things. I'm not saying you need to like, you know, thank God or, or whoever for electricity every day. But honestly, you should think about it more than you do because things are awesome all over. Like if you just like for me, if I get to the bus stop and the bus just pulls up, I'm like, man, that's awesome. Like I didn't have to wait here for five, 10, 20 minutes, you know, whatever it is. Yeah, it's a miracle, right? 
it, it seriously is, but it's like having or ensuring, not even force, just trying to ensure and focus on acknowledging those items. That's what helps me play defense against the negativity of the reblogs and the reposts. And, and, and you're correct in that, like, whether it's not like it literally, when you do that, it is going to give you more of it. Like it literally it's programmed. Now that we know, you know, five years ago, you're like, maybe now we've seen the documentaries on Netflix. I forget the name of it. The social dilemma. Yeah. They do just give it right back to you. And it's, and it's a bunch of shit on top of shit on top of shit. And we know that that drives more content and likes and revenue and all this other shit. So all of that combined is just, it's a good reason for me to want to, uh, I learned it doing some one-on-one therapy where we just call it two positives, where just every day you just got to name two positives, not the big picture stuff of like, Hey, I'm thankful for my family. It's like, can you name two minuscule, tiny things to the point where like you have to practice looking for them? Like, Hey, I got to the bus stop. Didn't have to wait at all. Or, Hey, you know, like the, the girl next to me didn't want her cookie with lunch. She gifted it to me. It's like, can you just find those little things that happen all the time that we just gloss over and forget about? And I, I do think that yeah. like, Back to the continuity. Those are things like they happen every day. And I think that's a good a component of the identity conversation. Absolutely. No, it totally is. And Eric is a positive person. He's taught me to be more positive, whether he recognizes it or not. We had a good chat on tour one time and he said, hey, man, just so you know, you don't look like you're having very much fun up there. You should look like you're having more fun up there. And he was that's right. <laughs> it's like I can hear the words come out of his mouth. He was right. And I think about it to this day. I hope he listens to this episode. I'll tag him. I need to have a conversation with him. But he said that to me and that was kind of a game changer moment for me. And I still think about it. But I think what you're talking about is you're talking about gratitude and something that has, I think is a good thing. It's become a bit of a trend to implement a gratitude practice. Like you were saying, the two positives, sometimes people will journal two things that they're grateful for every day. And you're right our reticular activating system then starts to zero in on all of those little small things, all those little miracles that we maybe take for granted. And we're just completely dismissing because they just happen like AC in a house on a hot day or running water or good plumbing, or like you said, electricity, a bed to sleep in a comfy pillow. These are things that we take for granted, especially in our hyper modernized Western world. So yeah, and I think when you implement those gratitude feelings, it does start to elicit just better overall feelings in general, you know, because I think you can't experience too many negative emotions when you're experiencing gratitude. It's like one cancels out the other. Yeah, I do think you have to feel both. And it's yes. too easy. When I say feel, like you really do have to go through and feel them. Like, I don't know, I, I was thinking today before I went on this, I went on a five mile run. It was called the Buffalo Run. And it's at this cool park here, Pioneer Park in Lincoln, Nebraska. And I was like, do I want to wear headphones or not? It was like this strange little like metaphysical conversation I had myself. Like when you work out, like, do I want to just feel the run or do I want to like kind of distract myself, maybe try and trick myself into some kind of, you know, whatever beats per minute I think I want to try and set my feet at or, or whatever, you name it, right? Or, hey, maybe I really need this podcast to like get me through. It's like, I just want to make this like conscious decision to feel the run the good and the bad. And I wonder that we're definitely, we see all the negative energy and then we just like try to drown it out. So we have all this like excessive practice with some of the negative emotions or maybe a lot of the negative emotions that we really don't allow ourselves to feel positive ones, you know? And it's not only is it like sad day, it's like a bummer. It's like Eric Mello's like, hey dude, you should look like you're having more fun because this is like pretty cool what we're doing here. Yeah. and beyond, right. that, <laughs> yeah, beyond that, it's just, you know, it's like, a, it's a larger picture. It's like a balanced thing. It, and it's, 
I, I, you know, some of the people who talk about Uber successful and how, you know, I don't want to get way too off topic because I'm not an expert in nutrition or anything else or but like, Hey, how cool it is to like stay up and, and only sleep for four hours and overwork yourself. And just this whole like chronic, I'm on the grind culture. And it's like, right you know until you I, die. Yeah. It's like, you know what? I get it. Cool. Thank you for whether it's queuing up the post or actually getting up and doing it. I, I think David Goggins is fascinating, but you know what? I think I need my, you know, eight, nine hours of sleep. I'm trying to read some law books and I'm pretty sure that I do better eight, nine than I do with, you know, three, four, five, six, even. So absolutely, man. But there's a time and place for all of them. Yeah. And I wanted to go back to that too. I'm glad you brought that back up. There is a juxtaposition. And I do think you have to experience the bad to really not take for granted the good. I think that's cliche, but we really don't think about that as adults. One thing that I've been trying to do lately, earlier, I mentioned that there was a point in time where I was identifying as somebody that was less than considerably just based on where I was in my life. But what I'm finding out now, what I'm giving myself grace for I have more and more space between it, more time to reflect and more experiences as we get into our 30s and 40s is I'm giving myself a lot of grace because you're right. I needed to experience those things in order to experience the other end of the pendulum, right? And I think I wouldn't have gotten fully to the other end of the pendulum, or maybe I haven't hit the other end of the pendulum yet I'm on my way there. I don't think I could have had that trajectory at all had I not experienced where I was. And going back to identity, I really identified as a musician. And then when music was over, it felt as if I identified as nothing. Yep. You know, there Very wasn't anything to identify. And I think I tend to do well when I've got something that I can latch on to. And that can be my thing for however long. Yeah. To kind of like, if I were to put, you know, maybe the first 20, 30 minutes of this, like the exercise biking question is what allowed me to grab hold of my identity, like regain some agency or, and whether or not we have control, like it allowed me to perceive some form of control and to shepherd myself out of this difficult transition of identity or wants to change into mm. like, where am I going? You know, mm. it helped me kind of like add my own agency and, and voice or, and give that kind of like a direction. So, yeah. I mean, I, I, I think I don't, I, I just don't know. I mean, honestly, I don't know what I would have done with my time period, but I don't, <laughs> I don't know that I, I don't think it would have been possible without me, you know, biking, running, without me finding a hoops game. Like I do think they were all like integral components like even back to just the feeling part of it like what goes in must come out you know like sometimes yeah. it's just like I don't know what to say I, I got nothing I'm just gonna go pound the pavement that's what I'm gonna do I think everybody yeah. understands that but it's like to really then let yourself feel how kind of healthy that is like that's not some machismo you know hey I want to go punch a wall it's not the same as punching a wall as like grinding out miles on it's like that's giving yourself this like emotional release and maybe over time we can get better at like talking about it and being open and honest and maybe there's certain people we need to get better at with that but you know at least in the very beginning like you really can like kind of use that energy in, in a way to like also propel yourself forward you know the exercise so exercise is really kind of what helped me gain some of that agency back yeah absolutely it's one of the best ways to do it really i wanted to feel my blood pumping that was something that I would tell yeah. myself when I first started working out. I just want to feel alive. I wanted to sweat. I wanted to move. There was something internally that knew it was good for me. And I didn't realize that I couldn't articulate it then, but it was almost necessary and a necessity for good mental health for me personally. And now I recognize that I was having those anxiety attacks because I was too sedentary. I wasn't moving enough. I just wasn't getting enough of those chemicals, the neuropinephrine, the serotonin, the adrenaline. And so once I became a little bit more well-versed, I recognized 
the agency that I had when I first started working out. And you mentioned earlier talking about being better and appreciating it. I mean, that's one of the reasons I started the online training company that's almost become more of a lifestyle coaching company at this point. It started out as nutrition, but I wanted to call it better self because each individual, we do feel good when we're growing. We do feel good when we take agency and ownership over our lives in some capacity. When we try to do better, we feel as if we're growing and growth and contribution are two vital functions of human beings. I think if we don't feel like we're growing, then we feel as if life is stagnant. And then we start to feel really, really badly. And that's when we start getting those negative chemicals, the cortisol in excess. Isn't it funny? So you just how you just described that, you know, so you use like, if we're not growing and just like that action as a verb, as contrasted with like, to speak to like happiness, like, well, it's just, just makes it so obvious that like that question of like, what is happy? What is happiness? Isn't this stagnant? like noun, adjective, checklist kind of an item. Like it really is this ongoing process. And again, I mm-hmm. hate cliches, but the older you get, the more you realize they're all true. Everyone, <laughs> how much they stink and how much yep. you hate repeating them. They're all true. And that's just where like, whether if you identify, I don't want to overuse that word, but if the word that's, you know, the best metaphor for you or analogous for you is whether it's growing growth, whether it's other things, like if it's to become happy or, or if it's, if it's some analogy to like more spiritual kinds of, of metaphors, all of those things of becoming whoever it is you aspire or aspirational kind of language, that process and the fact that it just is this verb process and it's not this like checklist grocery store kind of an item. I think everybody has some kind of sense of that, even though maybe they think they're shopping for groceries and that's just where I'm yeah. to step back and it's like, so how is it that I can like every day try to take more control? because I got to do this forever, not just today or tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah. And then the really frustrating parts when you get really good at taking control, then it's really difficult to let go of control because you're right. There's that juxtaposition there, that harmony where you've got both, right? Because now I'm in a position where if I don't have total control over my day, it kind of feels not great. Like I have a difficult time just sitting there in the day, you know? And yeah, I was going to say something. You're just bringing up so many good points, Steve. So, the same so, all day. Yeah, dude. This is why I wanted to have you on because we've had profound conversations like this before, or what I think is profound and what I would want to listen to. Asking about happiness, it's kind of a trick question. I mean, I hate to ask trick questions, but I know my own personal thoughts about what it is. And then it's fun hearing other people's interpretation of what that might be for them because it is an individual thing. This isn't mine. This is Tim Ferriss. I love what he says about it. Oftentimes, happy becomes a nebulous term. It doesn't really mean anything or it just means different things to different people. And oftentimes it could mean something like novelty, excitement, or stability in equal measures of novelty and stability. So we want something new, but we also want the things that are safe and easy too. That's happiness in a nutshell, because I always think about the person who wins the lottery and then they go sit on an island for three weeks and they're bored out of their minds after about 10 or 12 days of it. Oh no, I still need to figure out what I need to do with this life that's going to make me happy. And it's usually not the pursuit of happiness. It's usually the happiness is found somewhere in the pursuit. It's found somewhere in growing. It's found somewhere in the challenge of life where you're actively trying to work to try to get better at something or just be better or be the best at something, whatever that is under your own personal metrics. And for some people, it's just want to be a better father or I want to be a better mother. I want to be a better parent figure. I almost brought up those kinds of aspirations earlier, like the the dad or the mom or whether it's like a husband or wife or significant other, because those are just important to the identity conversation as anything else. At some point we transition out of this 
in our youth, it's like, what do I want to do? What do I want to do? What do I want to do? Right. At some point it does turn into like, what can I do for others? Even if that is just a person, right? Like a, a lot yeah. of, and I don't even know that some of my friends would acknowledge the conversation as it is because it wasn't ever like framed in such a way, but it's like, at some point it's no longer that, Hey, I want to play music and I want to be successful in my career. It's like, I want to be a good dad. I want to be a good, I want to be a good husband. And those are things you can still aspire to do, even though you're like not entirely sure what it is, how you become that. And it will change over time. Being a good dad of like a two month old is very different than being a good dad of like a 12 year old. It's like, those things are just constantly going to change and you're going to have to like revisit. And that's where this whole like process of becoming and, and, you know, know, you'll change your own versions of happiness, but they will all be this like synthesis of good, bad, where am I at in the center? Sure. It's a moving target. I think you're right. Most people want to grow in some capacity and they want to contribute in some capacity. They want to feel as though they're contributing to something greater than themselves. Yeah. So pop punk, man. (laughs) How did we meet? When did we meet? Was it game time or was it during the American life days? I was trying to think if I ever, there may have been a show where like game time opened. Uh, What were the two primary venues in Kansas City? It was Beaumont Club and there's the other one. They were like down the street from one another. They were in the same part of town. In Kansas City? Yep, in Kansas City. So you had the Riot Room and you had the Beaumont Club and El Torreon was not too far from there, about 10 blocks yeah. from there. Uptown Theater. I think I was thinking of Uptown. So yeah. there's a chance that we might have just like crossed paths there. But I think like the first time we probably had any like conversation of substance would have been the American Life. There may have been some like MySpace back and forth. The band I was in in high school, we had traded some shows. Uh, if you remember the guys in Prank Monkey from Maryville, I mean, like, yeah, forever ago. I don't even, I would, it would be hilarious to even have an idea of where those guys were at. I, I think I still have their CD like in a sleeve somewhere. Right nice. there. And it would probably be hilarious to send that back to them in some sense. <laughs> but there would have been some overlap there. Otherwise, it would have been the American life, probably. And then that was in like the thick of the MySpace. And that would have been like mid 2000s. Yeah, mid 2000, around 2005, 2010 in that area. Because Cody and I were in a band in high school that we stopped maybe our freshman year of college in 2006. And then we kind of took maybe 18 months off before we backed our way into starting No Coast in in 2007. Yeah, that's cool. I'm always interested when there's a cross connection between people I knew in game time and people I knew in the American life. It feels like different blocks of my life. There was probably a two year gap where I didn't play music at all between those two things. And so it was weird coming back to the American life. It was exciting and I had a great time, but I think I was just so much more cynical by then. I was a little bit older, what was transitioning into the area of my life that wasn't great. But I was curious how we met because I remember we went on tour and that was a really fun tour. And then Game Time played several shows with JV All-Stars and straight out of junior high. We played with them all the time. We were constantly trading back shows. And that's where I just wonder, I can't think of like the exact, like if there was a venue, because then even Cody and I, we would travel to Springfield to watch Benefit of a Doubt guys at times. So like, it's just likely, like I specifically remember Game Time and I acquired the music through probably mp3.com just because I yeah. remember seeing, I remember seeing like flyers, right? And when you play music, it's funny how even at like 14, I figured this out is like, Hey, Oh, we just have to find bands in these cities. If we want to go to these cities. And then you like, just try to make friends and you try to trade basically. It's like somehow like you just learn that like innately, but so us being from, you know, Cody and I are from a small town in Southwest Iowa. We just knew, okay, well we need to figure out who's in Kansas city. Who's in Omaha. Who's in Lincoln. Who's in Des Moines. Is there, you know, is it a couple people? Is it a lot of people? 
uh, we ended up probably like connecting more. I mean, this is how we discover JVA and benefit of the doubt. And those guys is through that, like sucker punch. It was a label. Ecosphere. It was like a co-op kind of, and that's how we connected with, with a ton of people. And, and we went to a ton of shows, but mostly in Omaha and Lincoln. Like I said, the shows we went to in Kansas City were primarily at Uptown and Beaumont. The bigger venues. Yeah. yeah, that makes sense. I mean, that's how we booked our tours. Exactly what you're saying. I'm not sure how I figured it out. Maybe it was like the early days of search engines or maybe I just through asking people. But I remember my last year of high school, I could have graduated early. And one of my art teachers convinced me not to. She said, hey, I'm going to do an independent study class where you'll get extra college credit. You'll have two big projects. That's it. And you get the whole semester to work on them and you get to come to class for half of your day. And so that's what I did. I ended up staying and I got a bunch of extra credit, college credit hours in my last year of high school. And that semester, I just spent every morning booking our first official tour. And we went on tour for three months or something, but I was using book your own fucking life. And I was looking for the JVAs in all of the major cities, or, you know, some were in smaller cities. We played Spencer, Iowa a bunch, which was yep. a place to play, but just anywhere in the Midwest. And then we just, I would email them and say, Hey, we're a band. We sound like you guys. And oftentimes I would hear their band on mp3.com. At that point, that was the only thing that was streaming was or their you website. Just, you would sort by like region or, or like, even then you would look for someone's like blog role and you'd go down that yeah. rabbit hole. Yeah. And honestly, it wasn't until about 2003, 2004 that it really started to pay off because we started touring in the summer of 2002. And I don't think it was until 2004, right before we broke up, where we really started solidifying where to go, who was reliable on the route, because we played so many shows where nobody would show up. It'd be like at a house show or something. It'd be sketchy. Through trial and error, we finally figured out, oh, no, these people are reliable. Spencer Isle was reliable. There's always a ton of kids out at that show. We could play with... JVA or straight out of junior high here or too beautiful die in Springfield or Columbia or something. And that's, what's funny is like, so how almost like in reverse, we were, me and Cody were almost like a Spencer, Iowa, you know, it's just, we were that to Omaha and Lincoln, primarily those kinds of bands. Like we went out as teenagers and bought a PA system and microphones and our buddy, graduated high school with me and Cody. His name is Bill. His dad owned a bait shop. I mean, they sold all sorts of assorted stuff. They sold bait. They sold, you know, fishing poles, lures, paintball supplies. They sold ammunitions, literally all sorts of stuff. But we asked him one time, we're like, hey, you know, we have this punk rock band. You know, you have a business in our little town of 4,000. Like, could we have a show here? We did like one show, maybe not even. And then one day my buddy Bill's, he like called me because nobody texted He's like, hey, my dad's going to the lumber yard. He's going to build you guys a stage. And we're like, dope, this is awesome. So wow. we're like, we had this like bait shop. It's called B&D's. And so, you know, we had like Anchando and, and Haven 21 and Omaha Lincoln Band, JVA would come down. And, and that's what we turned Clorinda. I'm not going to say it was awesome. Like, but I mean, for a small town in, in Clarinda, Island, we gave every dollar we had away, like back to the bands, right? It's mm-hmm. like, we, we would get probably like 40 to 140 kids paid. And we always thought it was like a bummer, but... Then thinking about it, when we became the band trying to book, we're like, man, I, I would, you know, you give us a chance to play in front of 40 kids. Like, that's all I asked for. Like, Absolutely. 40 is en- that's enough to start to sell a couple t-shirts to get us out the door on the next, on the way to the next place. It's yeah. Like, in a sense, like, it's been fun, or it was fun getting older to really appreciate it, where we thought maybe it was like kind of in- inadequate, but it was awesome. 
Like in hindsight, no, that was- would have been amazing. We would have been stoked to play there for sure. Just having a stage was a level up, you know, oh my God, yeah, <laughs> sort of on the floor of a church or something. That's rad. That's cool. So you guys created your own makeshift venue basically for bands to come and play. Yep. That's awesome. And, you know, we didn't play out. Of, we were, when we were in high school, we didn't play out a ton, but I mean, that's what laid the foundation. You know, that was a different band. And then three of us from that band ended up becoming the no coast guys. Yeah. So Ben and Tyler were in other bands, but me, Cody and Jeff, we're all in that band. And, but it's like, that's really where the relationships began. You know, that's, that's yeah. where it all, that's where all the, the hard work was done there, you know? Yeah. You learn to network and you learn to become friends with people and talk to a lot of people with different upbringings and just different views and paradigms and things. And yeah, that was always the most fun. I really enjoyed the networking aspect of it. I mean, even being an introverted person, somebody that recharges alone, you had plenty of time to do that in the van. I was always stoked to get to a new town and make some new friends. And yeah, you'd keep their contact info in your notebook and then you'd call them back up the next time you came through. And I always tried to reciprocate. I always tried to return the favor if I could. And we made a lot of friends doing that too. It was a lot of fun booking shows and booking shows for people even if it was at the bottom of a coffee house or just a tiny venue or a house show or just anything that we could gather at the last minute for these bands and surrounding areas. Do you have any fun tour stories besides all the ones we had? So, so I was thinking about this earlier and there, there are some like no brainers. There was a story of where we got kind of like our band's mantra was for 72. So like the very first show that we ever played, I'll never forget. So we bought our van. I, I paid for it. I went down to True Street in Kansas City, bought this van. Didn't know I was doing. It's too nice. stupid to know any different, right? <laughs> so long story short, we bought this real janky van. Pretty sure there's like blood splatter in the top of it. We get our gear in there and there's five of us and there are four chairs. I'm the owner of the vehicle. I'm driving. I obviously have one of them. So I'm like, so what's a fair way to figure out who's going to sit on the floor? So back of my mind, I'm like, what I'm going to do is I'm going to pick a number between one and a hundred. Whoever's the furthest away, they're going to have to sit on the floor. Okay, let's come up with this. We're literally outside of our little, where we practice, our practice space in Maryville. First show, like all five of us, I'm like thinking about what number do I want to choose? Like, you know, back of my mind, I'm like, I don't know, 30, 40, 36 in there is first number. So I settle on this number 72, 36 by two for whatever reason. I don't remember the exact order in which people went. I'm pretty sure I asked our singer Tyler to go first. And then like our bass player, Jeff, he just cut him off. He just guesses 72 out of nowhere. Like literally no connection at all. <laughs> I'm like trying to keep it together while I think Ben or Tyler or somebody immediately was like, oh man, you know, honestly, that's what I was going to guess too. And it turned into like, we were all kind of like on the same page and, and like Cody, I remember he was like, okay, I'll guess 36. And I just remember thinking like, that was the, honestly the first number I was, <laughs> he, he like just went further away. So we sorted it all out. I'm like, you guys aren't going to believe me. This is dumb. We can pick another way to figure out who sits on the floor, but I'm telling you the number I chose is 72. And it literally became like the mantra and, and like the story of our band because how that band came together is there was a couple of us, we played like a pub show, just acoustic. And then we added Jeff, a bass player, and then we were looking for a drummer and Ben ended up joining. So it kind of came about, we had this group of songs already. So then we all decided after this show and got in our murder van, we go play the show, it was whatever. I don't, honestly, I think, I can't even remember where we were going. I think we were going back to Kansas City. We get done with the show, but we just decided at that point, you know, 72 is our thing. We named like the first song that we ever wrote, the five of us together, 72. And then it just became this, like, it was like our calling card. We just, you know, would see it everywhere. I still see it everywhere to this day. Me and a, a couple of our other like best friends, like we have some 72 tattoos. It's awesome. So it's kind That's of rad. like a tour story. It's more of just like an overall band, like feel good community connection story. Yeah. I mean, we've, 
we've got some like degenerate stories and you were a part of some of them (laughs) beyond that i another one that just to to make it quick like i'll just never forget we played in keokuk iowa which is in like little nub of iowa it was like a winter storm i'll just never forget like people we were going it was sleeting it was ice it was like white knuckle driving the whole way i remember like Coldplay had just put out a new record people were like smoking cigarettes like just the whole vibe of this like piano ice sleet like we are in trouble on this highway out of a drive (laughs) you know i that that was like not fun but just so memorable in a sense because it really it really was like for me like no coast was that was like my band of brothers those are my dudes so and still are i just thought of band of brothers for some reason the story of you guys all just being on the same flow state thinking of the same (laughs) stuff that's so cool yeah it's crazy how you get you do get on the, the same wavelength with certain people, especially the people that you have that musical chemistry with or just chemistry in general, people you want to hang out with. And I don't know if you experience this and it's nothing. I, I try to, I've had to have this conversation a lot more in the past couple of years because there is this thing in my past that I played music. That's a total positive thing. And I try to like appropriately slot it. It's not nothing, but we really weren't a big deal at all. You know, like it mm-hmm. sounds probably cooler than what it was. People often, they'll, they'll ask you the question of like, hey, do you still play? And I don't want to be disrespectful of the question, but honestly, like that brotherhood and that connection, not one of us was like this awesomely talented musician. I can just stare at Mike Elfers or, or Maddie, you know, just do their thing and be like amazed and in awe. No one in No Coast was really like that. We had our moments, but we really were like better as a group. So mm-hmm. like when that ended to like play with other people, it's just never the same. It's like that connection really honestly was like reserved almost in a, in a sense for me at that, you know, whether it's time and place or, or with that group, or if it's literally the story and the synthesis of our energy in 72, that's kind of where I, I like leave it. It is fun to still jam and, and screw around a little bit. There's some guys here I might, you know, did in Lincoln that I've like played acoustic with and it would be fun to do some stuff, but I don't really yeah. have like a, it's just never been the same. And I, I think, a lot of people resonate with that, but that's one of those things where rather than trying to figure out how to get back there, I just kind of shut the door on it. Yeah, that's completely fair. And I think a lot of people are the same way. It's a different era of life. It's a different, like you said, a different slot. It has its own place in time. I was listening to Aaron Sprinkle, this producer, but he's also a musician the other day. And he said something interesting. People always ask him about his projects because he's been in a bunch of rock bands over the years. He yeah. was in Poor Old Blue and he was in Rose Blossom Punch. I think that was the other name. And he's done a bunch of solo stuff. And then he's produced a ton of great records. He did Phantoms by Acceptance and all this stuff. That's why I know it's because that record for me is like as good as- <laughs> <laughs> that was the end. Yeah, dude. That's one of my favorite records of all time. Great band. He talked about people ask him, oh, are you ever going to do another fair record or another poor old blue record or another solo record? And he says, maybe. But for now, the door is kind of shut on that. It just ended. It's not like it's done forever. If the stars align, it works out and we can do something really quickly or we can do something that put out another record or go play some shows, some anniversary shows or something. But I thought that was kind of interesting how he's not looking back on it. Oh, no, that's dead forever. But it's one of those things where he can just shut the door on it. And it has its lane. And I think that's cool. It's kind of a cool way to look at it. It's been really weird. Just the idea of recording new game time songs. That's just totally blowing my mind at the moment. It's been one of those things that I never thought would happen. And there have been times where like, you know, Cody, Jeff, Ben, Tyler and I, like we'll kick back and forth, like just stuff we record on our phone. It's funny how like it transports you back in time. And it's like, it literally, I'm not gonna say it feels the same, but a lot of the same like rush or the, the feeling of it with those guys does come back. So 
I totally yeah. like agree with you. Like it would be awesome to, and for me, I, I think like recording was almost, I had the, as much fun recording as I did doing anything else. And I would Same. love to do that. I would love to do that again. There's a lot of that that I really like geek out and nerd out to, but by the same token, it's just like, I'm not going to like push it in the past. Maybe I have pushed it and probably to my own discredit, like probably too much. So it's just like, if it comes about again, then I would love to, to snag that or, or gobble that up. Or if maybe I end up playing guitar with someone and, and it goes, well, like, I'm not going to like say that I've shut the door on that entirely, but I've have totally stopped expecting something to match that same intensity. It could be yeah. similar or in a different way, but yeah. I just am done asking it to, to fill that void. Yeah, definitely a time and place. I mean, it is an exciting period of life when you don't have as many responsibilities or you're just in a different phase of life, right? You know, and that's a good thing. That's a great thing. This has been amazing. I want to ask you at least one more question. The last show I saw you at was The Dangerous Summer, right? Sure, yep. I know you're a fan. River North, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. And then did Lockett play? I forget who the opening acts were. I think that may have been Lockett and they're a newer fearless band, but they put out a record last year or two years ago. That's pretty good. An alternative band more so. So yeah. Tell me, what do you think of the dangerous summer? What does that band mean to you? I love the dangerous summer specifically, like all of the musical components. Like I've, I've enjoyed pretty much everything they've put out to some degree. I mean, I think anybody, you know, what have they put out like probably six or seven records like some people are going to like some more than others yeah some components of it but i mean going back to i love that ep me and uh, the girl that used to travel with us her name is Haley. you probably Mm -hmm. remember like we used to love that song disconnect like that was yeah so good awesome track love that track reach for the sun was like a real formative part of when i played music like that record front to back was awesome i even i love the new stuff i love fuck them all i love everything i love mother nature i thought that was all great loved mother nature i I thought it was great now what i it's not that i like get worried it's certainly not like paternalistic but sometimes i just i aj's like behavior is so erratic and it's like on this roller coaster and knowing what little i know trying to address like similar I i don't even know if he has issues or not but trying to figure out my little like slot. Like I know that he did the California thing and hop back into music and I'm grateful for it and am am benefiting from it. I am just curious. And I really hope that whenever that wild ride for him comes to an end, that it isn't this like catastrophic halt, you know, because I Mm -hmm. do think back to what we talked about earlier, like he's got other stuff to like live for and, and share stories with and to give to other people now. So I will forever follow his Instagram and I, the new drummer, I can't think of his name, but he's an awesome follow too. I love like the chemistry and the vibe and the stuff that they're putting out. It's just, yeah. sometimes I like watch their social media and I'm like, man, this could, this is like just a, a wild ride for them. So I just yeah. have my own concerns about kind of like how it comes to an end, but it doesn't have to either. So, I mean, I yeah. just, I wish them all the best, you know, cause I do love their music. Yeah. I do know what you mean. They look like they have a good time. <laughs> I mean, every time he comes to KC, he's always like, hey, we're going to Buzzard Beach after this. And Buzzard Beach, man, I don't know a bar in town that smells more like vomit and urine than Buzzard Beach. And that is where they like to go hang out after the shows. And I'm sure they get rowdy and I'm sure they have a great time. And I'm sure there's probably a lot of less partying when he gets home. <laughs> And I do, I honestly, I do hope so. I hope there, I hope he, back to our first conversation, I hope he has like his routine or his balance or, or whatever it is. And however he yeah. gets back to like his homeostasis. One thing that I want to like highlight that I love about AJ and, and some of the old like pop punk bands we listen to, he give like when you hear that like rasp and that like the back of his throat, it, like you just know, like 
it hurts, right? Like, yeah. I just don't, I don't have a doubt that, like, he's giving me what he has, you know? And that I will forever respect and appreciate of him and his songs. And, and whether it's, like, by choice or accident or, or whatever, just lack of change, a lot of people go out of their way, like, hey, I can't do this forever, and I want to, like, fix that part of it. I don't want to strain my voice. He's just going to do that. It's a part of who they are. I love it. I still yeah. love the new tracks. I just, yeah, there's some, like, it's not the term, but there's some kind of uh, just genuine... I hope he's he's good in his own shell, you know? It's good, genuine concern, I think. And that's totally fair. I mean, those guys have a good time, for sure. And maybe the fact that he's got a kiddo at home, that might be that harmony part, you know? You can let loose when you go out on tour and then bring it home for a second. I mean, I think you'd have to in order to even facilitate doing the art, right? Because doing records and doing new music and running, because they kind of run everything on their own now. They don't have really a label or or anybody that they have to be reliant on. They're all self-sufficient at this point. But yeah, I definitely know what you mean. Great band. Mother Nature, that was my favorite record that year. I listened to to that record more than any other record that year. I just absolutely love it. It had a totally unique vibe to it. The guitars even sounded different than your traditional distorted guitars. I just felt like the recording was definitely a level above. And I love how, and I believe this is the case, correct me if I'm wrong, like, I love how they just settled into Levitt. They're just gonna go back to Levitt and do Levitt, you know? Like, we didn't get to it today, but you kinda asked about Goldfinger. There's something, the thing I love about Goldfinger is like, that's just, at a certain point, this is Feldman. And I like, I love that Feldman gets to be both punk rock and polished at the same time. And yeah. It's like, that's what they decided and found worked for them. I love that the Dangerous Summer is just, hey, we've done these other things. We're gonna go back to Levitt because he kind of gets us. Now mm-hmm. we're, we're working on our own thing. I love that, like that marriage. And hey, if it's not broke, like, don't fix it. And all that goes on the method. Yeah, dude. And they have autonomy and they probably like working with somebody that knows them so well and has that chemistry, yeah, right? Well, cool, dude. Dude, this is so much fun. That hour just like blew by. Let's do this again sometime for sure. But I hope you are having a wonderful weekend. Have fun studying too, man. We didn't even get the chance to talk about that, but good for you, dude. Yeah, we can leave that for another time. It has been, it has been a lot of fun. So thank you very much. Uh, It's been fun to come on. I'd love to come back. Just let me know when. Absolutely, dude. Yeah. And if nothing else, we'll be in touch. We'll keep chatting. All right. But yeah, have a great rest of your weekend, man. It was great to see you. All right. See you, buddy. Hey, thanks so much for listening. I really do appreciate it. I hope you had a good time. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you want to help the podcast out, if you want to do a massive solid for us here at Having a Blast, if you could just leave us a review, a five-star review would be amazing wherever you listen to podcasts. Or if you just want to recommend this podcast to a friend who might enjoy it. All right. Hope you have a wonderful day. Hope you're having a blast listening to your favorite records. I'll talk to you later. Hey.